time for another season of podcasts. Had a nice, relaxing summer. Got myself a beer, ready to go. Got an agenda, software looks good, everybody's on the call. Just one last thing to test and we're ready to go. Good, mouse works fine. Well, it's still about 90 degrees in my house right now, but all other signs of summer are over. The championship season is about to kick off this weekend. We are back on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent, for a very in-depth preseason show following up our pre-pre-preseason show from the summer. I am drinking a summery beer, as it is still July here for a few more hours at least. I'm drinking the 21st Amendment Brewery Hell or High Watermelon, which is a watermelon wheat beer of... I think I bought it this summer, but it was in my fridge, and it still tastes fine. So we will uh, soldier on, although we are well aware that we have had issues in the past with beers of unclear vintage on the Alice Americast. I can guarantee you, though, that one James Allen will be drinking a high-quality brew in his recording closet. So, James, what are you drinking? Hello, Jeff. Welcome back. It's like the first day of school, isn't it? It's like um, everyone's got a little bit of a tan and uh, maybe a new pencil case, and we're uh, sort of sussing out where we've been on holiday. We'll probably be um, about as engaged as well. Yeah, exactly, and, and we're still kind of uh, wishing we were on the beach somewhere. Um, San Diego probably is. What You asked me a question. What am I drinking? I'm drinking uh, a Northeast IPA called Wrench from Industrial Arts. Oh, very um, good. I've had that. It's excellent. Which is an absolutely top-notch beer, to be perfectly honest. Um it, uh, it featured on a, a very, very long and very, very uh, good fun uh, tour of New York breweries during the summer. So uh, so I picked up a four-pack of it. And this definitely isn't like a year-old vintage. I think it was brewed last week. So uh, it's uh, it's very fresh. Hopefully it won't have uh, any negative consequences and we can, uh, we can see this all the way through to the new season. Also on the line tonight is our king of socials and king of fireball, our Ohio owl, Evan Skilleter. Evan, what are you drinking? I've been working so hard on my notes for this show that I forgot to get a drink. So I am empty-handed at the moment. You Rachel! Can't, you can't send a little text there for some uh, little whiskey, a little ice? Man, I... Uh, we will have to, my, we will well, absolutely have prep- to post Evan's notes uh, on the Twitter or something. Well, due, due to my preparation, I didn't... All right, I failed to do the dishes before she got home, and uh, so I probably actually shouldn't send her a text and ask for uh, for anything, really. You were hard at work. I mean, to be fair, yeah, I have a I have a I whole guess. new I have a whole new office set up for the podcast now, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, I spent most of the evening watching the Mets game while wife finished putting together IKEA furniture, so. I, I got that's my own. A, I got my own beer. That's the life, man. That's the <laughs> life right there. And we round out our foursome this week with Luke Andrews Hacken. Luke, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Founders Solid Gold uh, Premium Lager. I have not had um, that one. How is it? It sounds delightful. It's good. It, it, it it's sounds very like, good. Delightful is too strong. It just sounds like a good beer. 
it is a, exactly that. It is a good beer. It is a it is a beer to start. Uh, it is a beer to start a season on. Yeah, I, I am enjoying now that more of these sort of better known American micros are like coming out with like proper lagers. Like Firestone Walker has a good one. There's a couple others I've seen recently on uh, on draft really like one the, of my locals. I really like the Jack's Abbey. No, you Jack's see Abbey's that got a there. good one too. Yeah. Hang on a minute, chaps. Can we just qualify what we mean by proper lager? Because oh, uh, you know, where are a number of listeners from British this podcast come from? This, that, means, um, that means fighting juice. <laughs> You uh, you mean a clean, crisp German pilsner, correct, Jeff? Look, I'm not getting into this with you, James. We have a lot of things to cover other than beer on this podcast. Could could we maybe just talk about beer? <laughs> it might be better than uh, previewing the Sheffield Wednesday season, but it is our first episode of the 2018-2019 campaign, so we'll do just that. We'll review all the summer signings, and we're done. We'll go over the preseason highlights. Uh, and lowlights, as it were, do a proper formal preview of the season. Evan does have copious reams of notes, as he said. We'll do a little uh, a little roundtable game. We don't have Paul and Patty this week, but hopefully they'll be contributing as well. We're uh, doing a little prediction contest for the coming season. We'll do a little bit of Wednesday news, including yet another fans forum. No, this is not a rerun. Of past episodes we will preview our first game of the season because it's championship newcomers wigan and i'm sure james has no shortage of material there and as always we'll review our meetups and happenings at our various groups across the americas as we kick off the season this saturday but we'll start with the summer signings there were no summer signings i guess james you did a very extensive ffp podcast on why this might be you know birmingham City was hit with an official transfer embargo, I think, today or yesterday. But could they at least have, I don't know, maybe signed Venancio? Or even was that a, uh, a bridge too far given the current financial state? Um, you know, the difficult answer, Jeff, is that of course we could have signed Venancio. We could have signed a whole host of players. We could have gone out there and spent... 30, 40 million pounds on players, except for the fact that we would have probably never have been allowed to register them by the EFL. And certainly if we had, then um, we'd have had some very, very severe consequences in terms of potential fines. I don't know, you know, all all sorts of things that would have meant that it would have been worthless going in uh, and spending that money. The simple fact is we we knew going into preseason that we had to cut our costs significantly. We had to, uh, to bring down the wage bill and we had to get some players out to bring in some income. Um, and we've done a bit of that, but probably not enough in order to cover the full gap to the um, the allowable losses under profit and sustainability. So, yeah, I mean, even whatever it was, six, seven hundred thousand pounds for Federico Venancio was uh, was too much to tolerate. Um, certainly at the point where he was um, he was up for sale earlier in uh, in July, and uh, and here we are with with no incomings, a few outgoings, but uh, probably still some business to do before we satisfy the EFL. And we'll get to the potential further outgoing players in a moment. But the two of note since we last podcasted are Jordan Rose going to Norwich City on a season-long loan and Jack Hunt with a transfer to Bristol. Evan, how much do you think this impacts the squad for the 2018-2019 season, losing these two players? 
Well, as far as Jack Hunt's concerned, um, all reports say that Liam Palmer is doing a great job. <laughs> um, and obviously that, that tickles my heart. And uh, hold, hold on, Evan. When you say all reports, do you mean uh, your analysis of the uh, the Villarreal game? Well, he did score a goal in that, didn't he? But uh, no, there was there was quite a bit of buzz on on, on Twitter um, re- regarding him leading up to the match, anyway. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's not too much lost. I know he came in a few times in the midfield last year and played pretty well, and uh, kind of questionable at the right back position. So. So we'll see, see what happens there. Um, Rhodes was the other one you asked about, right? Yes. Yeah, whatever there. Um, yeah, we, we Good thing Patty's not on the show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wish him the best, don't get me wrong. But, sure. You know, he, just like everyone else reports, he didn't do anything for us. Um, you know, maybe scored a couple goals, a couple timely ones. But um, at the end of the day, we have other guys that, that are in better form, have done better, um, and are just better suited for us it's better for us to to send him off see if he can get back into form and if he does hey he's still ours so we'll see what happens there and if he does uh recoup some value with regular playing time at norwich city james we could sell him off and help with that ffp bill yeah i mean look if if jordan rhodes proves himself to be the 20 plus goal a season championship striker that we thought we were buying two years ago then um yeah i mean you know his price tag will rise again and not only will it rise, it'll rise at a point where we can, um, you know, we, where we'll really be in, in need of the income going into next year. So uh, you could probably say it's a win-win for Wednesday. You know, he gets out there and um, and gets game time, hopefully gets form back. You know, then we have the option of selling him or keeping him and, and, and stand to benefit either way. In the meantime, it was just simply a device that we had to go through to get his the cost that he was directly um, driving on the wage bill in particular off Wednesday's books for this season. And obviously a, a loan fee as well. We don't know the exact number. It's somewhere south of significantly south, probably three million. But enough that hopefully maybe we can satisfy the EFL and at least get some players in on loan. And there is a bit more business to do if Wednesday do want to balance the FFP ledger. And the current rumor, Luke, seems to be Kieran Westwood heading out to Stoke City. Now, we can debate how much of a loss Jordan Rhodes and Jack Hunt are to the squad, but Westwood's going to be a blow, even with our goalkeeper depth. He will. Um, I think I think we've all, we've all kind of, I don't know, bought into the hype of these two young keepers behind us, but um, having, having a, a solid championship level keeper who is like clearly on his day one of the best in the division hands down and having him you know in net for every game i don't i don't think that's i don't think that's an advantage we're really gonna be able to work our way through easily but you know on the flip side we do have two young kids who've proven themselves over the last season and i mean it hasn't happened yet so we'll see um it could go either way, which I realize is kind of waffling on the question, but I think it could go either way. You know, it's, you... Kind of a, it's kind of a confusing thing to me for Stoke to be brought up in the rumors because, first of all, they have Jack Butland, and um, I think Rowett just came out recently and said that he expects Butland to be the, uh, uh, the starter uh, week one, right? Um, at the same time, I mean, we're talking about FFP, and to be fair, to, or to be honest, I'm not as in tune with with how FFP works when you are 
relegated because I know there's there's parachute payments, etc. And I'm not too um, too familiar with those. But th- so they when I, when I was looking through today, they they sold Shakiri for 13 million, and then they spent just over 24 or so million on incoming transfers. And so um, I'm curious if they really want to spend a decent amount of money on on another keeper if uh, if they're going to keep Butland around. I think the the honest truth is, Evan. You know, where Stoke are in the cycle, that they aren't too concerned about FFP. I mean, that for starters, you know, we have to stick to a thirty nine million pound loss over three years. I, I forget the exact number. We need our friend Peter Lohman to confirm it. But the relegated Premier League club, clubs get enormous relief to the tune of probably at least a three four time multiple of that. So they're allowed losses of uh, you know significantly in excess of what the championship clubs are on the premise that they're carrying all these costs coming down from the Premier League. But let's call it what it is, which is an unfair playing field. Um, so, you know, in theory, Stoke, West Brom um, and Swansea can, can continue to spend uh, significantly, not least because a lot of their premiership players like Shakiri are obviously easily saleable and, um, and highly prized assets. I think the interesting thing with Butland, from what I understand, is that he's certainly within... Stokes plans but they anticipate they may still get a bid before the transfer window closes I think on August the 9th so he could well play this weekend and then be sold next week um, at which point obviously Westwood comes into play but let, let's kind of put the hyperbole out of the way I've been on record on this repeatedly and said kind of as you alluded to Luke and I'll try and get you off the fence while Smith Dawson are great keepers for the future Westwood is a keeper for now so if we want to get promoted out of the championship we keep hold of Westwood that simple the reality is that because of these regulations, we are we are backed into a corner where we've got to sell players. And Westwood is a player in the last year of his contract and who can command a fee and is on a high wage. So it's a fairly easy deduction that he's a sensible player to sell. But in so doing, you're essentially saying that you can't compete at the top end of the championship, or at least you're not, you're not going to compete on the basis of having the best players. I think the other thing to consider too is just doing the calculus knowing you have to make a move of some sort the drop from westwood to joe wildsmith is not as significant as the drop from say selling barry bannon and having to play david jones in that spot it really is a shame that paddy's not on the podcast isn't it? <laughs> um but but yeah any, anybody who saw the second half against Real would probably uh, probably agree with you and, and that's what we're doing you know we're, we're trying to protect the we're trying to protect forestieri um, and, and try and make cut a cloth accordingly. You know, personally, I know, Evan, you're going to not like me for this, but I actually think the drop-off from Jack Hunt to Liam Palmer is, is pretty significant. I think we're going to I think we're going to regret that lack of strength in the uh, in the, the right wing-back or the right-back position. Um, and, you know, let's maybe in a few minutes we'll talk about Morgan Fox and, and what's going on over on the left-hand side. Could but, swear to God he was out of contract. This is, this is fundamentally hurting the strength of our squad. You know, if you started the, pre, the, the pre-season period and said, you know, at the end of this, we're going to be like Jack Hunt, we're going to be like Jordan Rhodes, we're going to be like potentially Kieran West with maybe another player, but we're still going to be carrying Marco Matthias, we're still going to be carrying Dave Jones, we're still going to be carrying Armin Abdi. That's not a squad that's been strengthened. It's a squad that's been significantly weakened as a result of the circumstances we're in. And we can argue about whether we got ourselves into those circumstances, whether the circumstances are fair because of the way the regulations work. But it isn't a squad that's in a stronger place than we found it three months ago. Nonetheless, the squad will soldier on into the season this weekend. We do want to take a look back first at some of the preseason games and 
I mean, at best, I was vaguely paying attention to these. We can work our way backwards because the Villarreal game was helpfully streamed on Villarreal TV on YouTube. Already better than I follow based on both the video quality and the existence of a score bug. Although I am curious to see uh, if the promised I follow improvements roll out without a hitch this weekend. Um, it was very much a game of two halves, James. <laughs> Um, in principle, because I only saw the first half and a little bit of the second half, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I, I think, you know, the first half we put out a reasonably strong side and we, um, I think the fair, fair, fair phrases competed. Sure. You know, how much Villarreal were competing is an interesting question, but we, we held our own. Um, you know, there was some good forays forward. Um, you know, the, the Forestieri and Nihu looked lively. Um, Liam Palmer put in a few good balls. Um <laughs> And, uh, and and put away a good ball, which I'm going to let Evan talk about because that's not really my bag talking about the Empire scoring. Uh, second half, you know, we, we made a huge amount of changes. You know, it's basically a different side. That disjointedness um, was soon found out by a, a side that finished fifth in La Liga last season. You know, they, they basically made mincemeat of us. Um, but I, I guess it all depends on what you're looking for in a game. Is, is it, you know, a true uh, blood and thunder competitive game or is it really a question of testing out players, testing out formations? Yeah, which it's obviously the latter and, and so you can't judge too heavily but yeah I mean I'd be curious to know what other people thought because for me it was just another training exercise it didn't feel like the last game of preseason. it was like dead in the I know I only had like 10,000 people there and whatever but it did feel like you were watching a like YouTube highlights of the under 23s playing at Hillsborough like there was just no life in the crowd at all which you know fair enough it's it's preseason. Uh, I did enjoy it's like, I don't even know how much you're learning from it. It's like, oh, Forestieri looked like an absolute nuisance. Bannon kind of bossed the midfield. Um, I mean, I did learn that Bannon's hairline continues to recede. It's like a very like early 90s footballer look now that I, that I appreciate that is dear to my heart. Um, the back four slash back five, the shape did seem a little amorphous at times, uh, was shaky. We looked vulnerable from set pieces. I don't think any of this is news to people that have been watching Wednesday for the last, you know, 12 months at this point. Uh, Liam Palmer put a nice ball away. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that, like, almost the exact same, like, run and angle of the shot he missed at uh, Wembley a couple of years ago? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. I figured you'd remember. <laughs> so I rushed and put that away. I'm like, yeah, you could have done that against Hall. That would have been nice. But uh, would you did like to Liam whack... Palmer play against Hull? I thought he did. I thought he was. Like, are you sure you're not talking about Jeremy Alan? No, it wasn't at the end. I could have sworn that uh, there was a sequence when Palmer cut in from the right and missed like an obvious goal. Goals. Oh no, maybe it was against. Right. I, it wasn't I against. Recall... It wasn't against Hull. It was against Stoke in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. I think that's the okay. one I'm remembering. An equally epochal yeah. moment in Wednesday's history. Sure. history. Well, they were only down one nothing. They could have gotten to the semifinals of the League Cup. I, well, I remember many Palmer misses, um, <laughs> and, and quite a few of them are, are ones that you think he should score. And then when he when he took that shot um, this weekend, I, I didn't think it should go in at all. So <laughs> hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. But uh, you know, I, I like the guy. I like him because he's from Sheffield. Um, but I understand that he's not. Uh, he, He's he's not as quality as Jack Hunt, obviously, but uh, he his game begs for for more. Uh, 
And yeah, in the second half, there's a lot of Wednesday looking woeful in possession and Villarreal sort of nutmegging people and bossing the midfield as needed. And they didn't look particularly interested either. Um, did you take anything of interest from the game, Luke? Quality, I mean, quality shines through. They they are a team that, you know, they're playing in a top division and competing regularly for trophies. So it's no surprise that even at, you know, three, three quarters, a quarter of their full strength, they were willing or able to kind of pick us apart. And yeah, you know, I mean, preseason is preseason is preseason. But it was, it was, I thought it was a worth the worth the time and effort to put in front of your eyeballs. Sure. Can so I, at least I, comment as well, Jeff, on the fact that you know the Villarreal chairman gave Dave Chanceri a little yellow submarine to hang in Hillsborough, <laughs> um, which is obviously worth the uh, the whole enterprise, right? Mm. I mean, forget the preseason game and the ten thousand people that turned up. We've got a little yellow submarine now to go on the wall in his office. And, that's that's you our know, nickname, since, right? Yes. Since they were relegated in. Uh... Well, since they came back up from second tier when they were relegated for a year. Um, in La Liga, they finished 6th, 6th, 4th, 5th, and 5th. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, given the, the level of of play there. You know, they've made a Europa League semifinal in recent memories. They won the infamous... Uh, this is obviously a little bit farther back in the memories. But won the uh, UEFA Intertoto Cup twice. No! In I, that was and one of my favorite tweets of the weekend when someone said Wednesday's involvement in the Intertoto comes to an end. It was Paddy. Yeah, Paddy was on socials. It was a good tweet. we got to give him credit, even though he's no longer the king of socials. The uh, the, the deposed king, yeah, the uh, the sort of the absence of Tsar. Um, talking of um, prolific European sides, though, you know, teams that have been at the very sharp end of their division for a long time, uh, how about the game at Mansfield? <sighs> So obviously there was no video for this one, although people have been dissecting photographs of it like the Zapruder film on Wednesday Twitter. I mean, there there were fo- or there was a video of it just yeah, uh, somebody, just after the match, right? iPhone from the stands, sure. I've only seen, yeah, I suppose, I've only seen I like kind Lord of... H like diagramming still photos on Twitter, so. <laughs> I suppose that's kind of the elephant in the room, right? The uh, the allegation. We don't have to talk about the match at all, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's obviously a serious allegation, right? If uh, if if Forestieri truly said something racist of racist nature, um, then then I believe he should be punished harshly. Obviously, the the club have come out and said we we vehemently deny these allegations and, and hopefully they're not true but you know i see a lot of people on twitter uh facebook whatever um kind of pointing fingles fingers <laughs> fingles back at macclesfield uh, or mansfield excuse me it's almost uh, the same yeah right and and i just think it's silly to do that right now until the investigation is, is concluded right you know they, they made these accusations they're being investigated there's no punishment right now um so just I think we need to relax, let it play out, and and obviously, if if those are true, it's it's a, a very sad thing to hear. No, I think you're you're dead right, Evan. I mean, look, we, there's no point in commenting commenting about it, right? Nobody on Twitter knows what was said. Uh, no, nobody in the Wednesday fan base knows what was said. The only people who know what was said were the players on the pitch, and um, 
you know, if an accusation like that is made, it has to be investigated. The investigation will will show whether there's any evidence to to bring a case. If if there is, that's it. That you know, uh, n- no player um, can use that sort of language and and get away with it, and no person should get away with it. And Fernando Forestier is no exception. It's an, also an absolutely astonishing accusation to make if it's unfounded. So let's just let the uh, the due process take its course. What actually annoys me about the whole thing, the whole furore at the end of the game, you know, uh, and the behaviour of both sets of players is that wouldn't have got into that situation if Wednesday had been you know, cleanly ahead at half time and then just taking care of a very professional job of beating uh, Mansfield four or five nil. Um, and I know that sounds like a fan just, you know, wanting it easy, but let's be honest, the level we're at, the level they're at, even in pre-season, we ought to be able to tidy ourselves away at Mansfield. And the fact that we didn't do that, the fact that they were all hyped up for the friendly and our players, you know, for whatever reason, couldn't just use skill and uh, and uh, and a greater degree of kind of collective prowess to to overcome that 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 is a little worrying right i mean people have been saying it points to that we've got good team spirit the fact that we ganged up and had a good scrap <laughs> at the end i'd rather see us gang up and actually beat a team at a game of football and then walk off the pitch politely at the end of it than uh, than get into a fight as a result of uh, being uh, being defeated 2-1 at mansfield yeah win the game and leave the mansfield town director a little blue owl <laughs> You know, James, I think to, to answer that question, you, you're probably right. You know, we should definitely dispose of them, no problem. However, not not having watched it, you, you, you never know exactly what was going on, right? Were we, we trying some different things? Were we, you know, trying to move the ball up the the, the right and Liam Palmer just couldn't do it? Um, you know, just, just what was it? <laughs> was it us doing different things and not being able to generate those scoring chances like we, we sh- should and probably will when we go back to doing what we do well um I, i'm not uh, t- to be honest i'm not terribly concerned about it uh it, it is what it is i think we looked great in the first half against villarreal and i think we it is good that we played quality competition a week before the the season starts and i think we have a lot to look forward to i'm not not terribly concerned about the 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 result of the mansfield match With preseason done and dusted, we head into another 46-game championship slog. You can see how enthusiastic we are about the team going forward. But Luke, what do you think is a reasonable expectation for Wednesday in the upcoming season? Uh, reasonable. That's a that's an interesting word. Yeah. I don't know. Um, where we are now, if if we don't make any vast improvements to the squad or don't lose any of the the pieces we do have i would say ninth would be reasonable eighth would be like better than expected and 15th would be a disappointment it's highly specific i like that a highly specific person (laughs) So, James, what do you think the biggest strength of the team is at the moment? Say, um, say right back. <laughs> well, I, I just like what you said a minute ago, Evan. I was, I was about to intervene, but you were making a really compelling point about not being getting too downbeat. But you said that uh, you hated to backtrack on Palmer. I thought that was apt because of the amount of backtracking that goes on <laughs> on the right wing. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I think I said this on the last pod, right? I mean... 
the strength of the team is still that we've got some absolutely phenomenal players if they're fit and if they're firing right now whether we've got the right players in the right positions and the right team as a cohesive unit to do something uh, meaningful in this league is is a harder question to answer but you know on their day players like Adam Reach who's had a really quiet preseason by the way uh, you know that they're, they're they're as good as anybody else in the championship. We get Gary Hooper fit if we can get him back from Madrid, where he seems to be having a good bit of time. Um, you know, again, you know, he could go on a run. Um, Stephen Fletcher's coming back to fitness. You know, maybe he finally justifies the ridiculous amount of monies and the Lamborghinis that he's driving around Sheffield, or maybe not Sheffield, but wherever he lives. If you get what I'm saying, our strength is still that we're not anywhere near as bad as we make out. Um, and we've got some players that most teams in the championship certainly would take a good good look at if they could afford to pay them as much as we pay them so you know I, I think we've got a lot to be positive about it it comes down to this question of can Yoss put this team together without having the resources to go out and change players to bring in you know um his choice of right back his choice of center back um and and that's a really difficult conundrum because you know I'm certain that if he had resources at his disposal and if he had room to maneuver in the transfer market we wouldn't be looking at this team going into the the new season um as it is he's trying to do the best he can with the players that he's got and maybe we haven't seen it yet but maybe maybe that starts to form into something so that, that that's got to be the, the strength that we look to and i think you hit on uh, my concern for the season and that's i think you know on his day forestieri is one of the best attacking players in the league on his day bannon's one of the best sort of box-to-box midfield engines you know we can quibble at right back we can quibble at center back we can quibble at you know some of the other midfield spots but it's just you look at what josh josh clearly has a plan for what he wants the system to be and how he wants him to play and in villarreal like they were trying to play from the back and villarreal realized they weren't really able to sort of make those cross-field diagonal balls, you know, into the midfield and back out to the wing. So they just pressed them, and not even with any particular urgency. And we didn't look particularly comfortable. I think it's a perfectly lovely style of football to play when it works, but I don't know if we have the players to make it work. And it, I think it could lead to some real, uh, some real howlers at the back over the course of the season. I don't know. James, you mentioned... Not sure if he can, if if Joss can put it together. I know it's a small sample size, but you know we we won six six of our last what nine matches last season, and, and I know it wasn't you know the the best competition. We lost to QPR, lost to Fulham, um, but I, I'll tell you what I, I felt at the end of last year. I, I I really didn't want the season to end. I wanted it to keep going. There was so much momentum. We saw the players having a good time. They were looser. Um, they were celebrating with each other. It's stuff we hadn't seen for the duration of the season, the whole season up to that point. And it really, and I'm not, I'm not trying to stand on a soapbox and say Wednesday are going to finish top two, top three, top four. Um, you know, I, I actually we're going to ask you to do that in a second, Evan. Well, I really like, <laughs> yeah. I, I like Luke's prediction. I think eight, eight and nine is a, a decent spot. I think challenging for, you know, it's top six is possible but maybe not likely but you know i i i'm not terribly concerned about the team i'm not concerned about josh i I really think that that these guys are um at least at the end of last year we're feeling really really good about themselves and that's massively important especially with some of the egos we have you know forestieri and um 
maybe Bannon a, a little bit hot-headed as well. It's just it's it's good to have guys on the same page that are are feeling good and have uh, a good morale about them. Does uh does continuity matter in the championship? Uh, yes and no. I think you, know, you obviously can go out and do what Wolves did last year and you know put together a all-star squad of sorts, you know, managed by a, a up-and-coming manager with a very clear idea of what he wants to do and just sort of impose your will on the league. You can also, you know, do what Darby's done. And Darby has certainly spent money, but they hmm. got some continuity, not so much with managers at Darby in recent years, but um, certainly with the players. And it, it's almost a similar, I mean, they play a much more, I think, attractive style of football than we did last year maybe even in the in the second year of the Carlos era but you know again where they have you know two or three players who are as good as anybody in the championship at their role and you know do it that way and you can also do whatever Colin did you know that's sort of the grind that's sort of the the way Burnley got out of the league twice you know there there are different oh, ways up, to win up, in the Jeff. championship hold up Jeff we, we can't compare the way that Burnley got out of the league and the way that Colin got out of the league. Sure, I mean, sure. Burnley <laughs> played some absolutely beautiful football at times and built this kind of great uh, great footballing side under the tutelage of Sean Dyche. Um, but that's sort of the cut. They came back down with that said, team uh, and went back the up league. with it. Sort of the continuity point. <laughs> fair, fair, fair on the continuity. I mean, look, you know, the, there is something in all of this as well, which is... Um, I, and it's, it's, it's hard, because I, I was trying to... Someone said to me the other day, you know, when did you lose kind of the full optimism that kind of you know well rather when did the sinking expectations kick in and i was, I was sort of saying that the last, the last two years i haven't really had high expectations because i think we all felt like we were coming off something when um certainly when we lost the, the playoff semi-final against huddersfield but it, uh, under carlos there was this kind of sense of flair and and sort of like you know excitement but there was also the fundamental fear that we didn't have a plan b that if if the tippy tappy football and the the kind of playing out from the back didn't work we just didn't know where to go from that the one thing to say about yoss is he seems to be able to move and meld this team around um you know he's got several formations that he uses he's he's certainly able to tactically switch the team during during a game um I, I totally adhere to what you're saying, Jeff, in terms of do we have the players to make that work against the best in the championship? Uh, question mark. But but he's more tactically adept than Carlos was. Um, and, and that flexibility will probably serve us to, to get out the jam we're in, which is that, you know, we haven't been able to strengthen the squad, but we probably have strengthened the, the coaching now at the top of the team. I mean, he'd, his one of his backup plans was literally playing zero strikers last year, as I recall. Like, Ross Wallace is a false nine. That, that that was a popular move, wasn't it? Really, uh, really went down well. It went, with the, it went uh, over really well with Twitter, yeah. I mean, I, I, what I'm interested in though here is uh, is Evans' notes because you know we, we've touched on a few of the other teams in the championship. So the, the, here's the fundamental problem. So you know, yes, we had a good end to the season. So we had you know whatever it was, six wins out of nine. You know, kind of positive momentum, all the rest of it. But let's be honest, a lot of the league had stopped playing, right? That you know there was a there was a few teams who were scrapping for the playoffs. There were a few teams who were just trying to keep their nose above water down at the bottom, but a whole lot of teams who were kind of getting into that sort of becalm situation in the middle of the championship. Now, as soon as we go into the games this weekend, everybody's going full throttle. Everyone's trying to make their mark on this division, and a lot of teams have not stood still. So we need to recognise that while Wednesday have either 
stayed fairly constant or arguably gone a little bit backwards. Some other teams have definitely gone in the opposite direction. That's going to make our life a lot harder. So, Evan, I, I'm really curious to know, you know, just what your uh, your preparations told you about the future of the championship. Uh, well, the league's definitely gotten better. And that's scary to say because it's been a great league. It's been very competitive. Um, you know, it's it's tough to think that, you know, Stoke and West Brom have dropped down. I'm not too worried about Swans, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, Stoke has spent some big money. You know, $6.3 on some fella called, <laughs> that I can't even pronounce his name. Um, you know, Tom Ince for, for $12 million, James McLean for, for five. Um you know, that's they've they spent they've spent huge money, and then you have West Brom who spent. They have all this, like you mentioned, they have all this money to spend. And they they bought Sam Johnstone. For, Johnstone, if, they, if there's an E at the end in England, is it still Stone, or is it Johnstone? It depends which part of the country you come from, uh, Evan. I, I don't know why I was waiting for some of my co-hosts to answer there, but I realised I'm the only Brit on this uh, on this pod tonight. <laughs> so, um, it's like scone and scone. You know, there there are different ways of interpreting it, or. Uh, or stone or ston. Uh, uh, yeah. Depends no, anyway, if it's singular or incorporated in a name. They spent $6.5 million for a guy that, or excuse me, not dollars, but $6.5 million for uh, pounds sterling. Definitely not, he's definitely not worth that much. Um, so, you know, they, they've spent some big money. Um, you know, Middlesbrough, they, they didn't sell much, so they're going to be just as good. Um, you know, they got Aiden Flint from, from Bristol City. And uh, yeah, they, they shirt up. Um, there's some teams even lower that have, have spent some big money. You know, Leeds trimmed out nine players, but um, they added plenty. You know, they, they have uh, Lewis Baker from Chelsea on loan. Uh, he made four four appearances for us back in 2015, actually, if anyone remembers Lewis Baker. I do remember um, him quite well. Another player on loan from Chelsea. Uh, Perry Douglas from Wolves, who scored five goals last season from from left uh, left back, and uh, they just got Patrick Bamford. I think it was announced today who scored twelve goals for for Middlesbrough last year. Um, and then James, actually, something that I should mention to you: Leeds have signed a, an American connection pretty close to your doorstep. This summer, Leeds purchased twenty-one-year-old Jack Harrison who played one season of college soccer at Wake Forest in North Carolina, played two, played two years with New York City FC, and during his youth played for Manhattan Soccer Club. So, uh, there's a Manhattan Soccer Club? Good, good gracious. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like that's been... Uh, it's, it's probably one of, the, like, one of those secret bars in Soho that you have to like go you know, through a, uh, a manhole cover and down a sewer in order to find the back door to get in. Um, but I'll, I'll look out for that. But yeah, Leeds have been pretty active, haven't they? Um, Barry Douglas is the one that absolutely kills me, by the way, because you know, in terms of players that you would think that's going to, that's a player that's really going to strengthen your hand. Um, it's going to give you a degree of now, degree of skill and capability and pace that you know you you would want to put in your squad and that's proven at the top level of this division. He's absolutely all of those things. You know, really quiet, unassuming, but influential role in that Wolves team of last season. And we've got uh, Morgan Fox. And I think you can't uh, overlook the... I mean, it's Leeds, so God knows how long he'll actually last as manager there. But bringing in uh, Marcelo Bielsa is a huge move as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you jump down two spots on the table from last year to Forest. Um, they, they didn't sell or lose one one player with more than 20 appearances from last year. 
but they brought in Zhao Carvalho from Benfica, uh, young kid, really really quick, uh, very pacey, rated pretty high. Uh, brought in Michael Dawson. I think he's about 34 years old, but uh, he's got Premier League experience, promotion experience. They brought in another kid from Benfica, um, Lewis Graben, 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 whatever. Um, Last year he scored, so I, I didn't know this and I didn't remember this. Last year he scored 12 goals in 19 matches for Sunderland while on loan. And then he moved to Villa on loan and scored 8 and 15. So like, this guy scores goals like it's his job, which hey, it is. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's outstanding what teams are spending right now. It seems to me, and, and James, you, you would know more about this than I would, but it seems to me like, you know, some of these teams realize, okay, we're not, we're not um, constrained by FFP. Some other clubs are, so now's the time to to make the jump. It, it really feels that way uh, with a, with a lot of the money that, that teams are spending. It's exactly what you're seeing, Evan. And, and you know, we we talked about this quite at length on the the FFP special we did between our last podcast and this one. But you know, essentially the, the way the regulations work because of the allowable losses over three years, you're ending up with this kind of cyclical process kicking in whereby a group of teams are running up against that barrier and can't spend. Another group of teams have been up against that barrier of kind of, you know, cut their cloth accordingly and now can spend. And then you've got the the relegated premiership clubs that can basically spend whatever the hell they like. Um, and it means you've got this kind of ebb and flow between groups of teams that start moving in the championship now and, and being able to compete and those that can't. And, you know, unfortunately, Wednesday are being, by our own decisions, are being grouped in with that last lot. You know, a team like Leeds, a team like Forest, who for various reasons have not been able to spend. In, in Forest's case, they were under some form of embargo for some, some period under the old FFP rules for Leeds. It was just sheer ineptitude. Um, you know, they, they're they all of a sudden in a position where they really can go and, and make make outlays. The big difference and the thing that our, our fans need to get our heads wrapped around is the reason why we're in this mess is not because we spent eight million on Jordan Rhodes. That was you know, arguably a vanity signing, uh, arguably a mistake. But, you know, even spread out over the period of time that the that fee is amortised, it could have been swallowed. The real problem we've got is that we started play, paying a high degree of our squad premiership level wages 30 40,000 a week which just as a total run rate kills us on our on our operating expenses you know a team like Leeds have not been paying those wages for the past two years so they can afford to bring in a Barry Douglas who've been promoted with Wolves they can afford to look at a Patrick Bamford who you know I'm not sure if he's still registered with Chelsea or if he's he's come on a fee from Middlesbrough but you know again you know someone who they can they can push their wage bill a little bit higher for now and, and take a run at the league we, we just don't have those options unfortunately um, but but your overall point, Evan, is is really well made, which is that the league has gotten stronger, right? You know, the teams that have come down, certainly Stoke have held the majority of their, their players. Swansea have lost a few, but they've strengthened. Um, and there are some teams who have been pushing to get out of the championship for some time who certainly look a lot like a sharper proposition right now. And even a team like Derby, who we expected to have to shell players, you know, they seem to have held on pretty well. They've made some astute loan signings from the Premiership, and they've got... a. Uh, you know, a manager who everybody in the uh, in the media suites of uh, of the UK are certainly willing to succeed in Frank Lampard. So, it, it's a pretty tall order for Wednesday going into the new season. And again, that that's just another point that tempers our expectations. I think. So, uh, feeling optimistic, huh, James? I, I'm really trying, Luke. I'm really trying. I mean, if Wednesday are going to find new players for the squad to spur them on, it's going to have to come from their own youth ranks and. Yasta, the reputation of 
flooding young players. We've seen a fair bit of them in preseason. Luke, who are you most looking forward to uh, seeing come up from the uh, youth ranks? I, I want to see the continuing development of um, Thornley and the Danish kid. Who's the Danish kid? Frederick Nielsen. Nielsen, yes. Not Jimmy Nielsen, Frederick. Right. Um, I, I think defenders are a club that can can bring up young defenders i mean that's it it seems like an obvious statement but like yeah the defense can win you a championship and when they're when they're young and when they can you know rotate enough and and get like i really like watching good defense i know that this is not everyone's cup of tea but i i cheer as much for a for an amazing slide tackle as I do for um, the shot that just goes wide, I guess. But I realize that that's not not an opinion shared by the large majority of the football-watching public. I mean, I think we'd take just a series of well-organized, staid and boring 1-0 victories if it got promotion. For real. I mean, my vote here is obvious. It is the absolute unit from Bulgaria, Preslav Borikov. I know there's not a... Uh, he didn't get a squad number, to be fair. I think he's only like 19 anyway. But um, the striking crew we have is older. Um, so, you know, looking for maybe some youth. Maybe he can pop in as a as a cup player or a last 15 minute guy off the bench by the end of the season something i was certainly looking forward to i think one of the forgotten men i believe he did uh get a squad number they have to go back and double check this is matt penny who's long been a a fairly good prospect known best for his uh youtube worldies that seem to pop up on the on the sheffield wednesday account every once in a while uh, and you know someone that has some uh, experience playing in wing back that could be a uh, could be some useful squad depth sooner rather than later. Who are you uh, looking for to maybe make an impact this season, James? Um, I, I you know what Luke's right to pull me up on not not being optimistic. I mean the best way of looking at it is is that we're going to see the youth. You know, I I think I saw Ash Baker play one game and I, I really liked his sort of cavalier style and. Um, and his tattoos. So, um, so I'm, I'm hoping to see him a little bit more than, uh, than maybe our friend, Mr. Palmer. Um, you know, I, I, I've got this weird feeling that George Boyd might prove to be a slightly better player than we've been giving him credit for. Uh, and I'm really, really hoping to see him come good, but above all, the player I'm looking forward to seeing this year is Alman Abdi. Um, <laughs> you know, the, there's there's just the enigma, the legend that is the, uh, the Swiss international of never playing international football who was at Hillsborough not playing football at all at Hillsborough but you know where where is Alman Abdi apart from being on vacation could could he possibly finally come good for us let's see it's uh would be quite the upset if somehow Abdi and Matthias formed the uh the midfield pairing that takes us to the next level finally just as we all predicted three years ago and speaking of predictions We'll take a short break now. When we come back, we'll make some predictions for the upcoming season, hit the Wednesday news, and wrap our first show of the new season up in the usual fashion. 
promise, we now have some predictions for the 2018-2019 season. And we decided just to drag Patty Jones on to do it live rather than do a recording. Patty, what are you drinking? Oh god, I've got a booze too. I've got no booze. I've been <laughs> I've been pulled off the sofa watching the Mets lose twenty-five to four. So I, I need some alcohol, but I don't have any. Sorry. Fair enough. Then we'll get right to the business. So we're doing five categories of predictions. Uh, all podcasts hosts are throwing in fifty dollars into the kitty. At the end of the season, the winner will, will will donate the kitty to a charity of their choosing, probably a soccer-related one of some sort. And the first topic is automatic promoted teams from the championship. And we'll start with James. I'm. I'm going to call a uh, Tony Pulis double, Jeff. I'm going for uh, for Stoke as champions and uh, uh, and Middlesbrough second. My God, what a boring league is going to be. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. If so, if he picks something, can I still pick it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. What is enough? All, what enough options here to. Thing? You can do it right, you want, fair, Evan. Fair enough. Okay. 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 <laughs> You're next, so go ahead. I will also pick Stoke as my champion. Um, but I have Darby second with automatic promotion. They've done a lot this uh, this summer and uh, brought in some, some goal scorers and haven't really lost a whole lot. So I think they'll definitely do well even if, if Vidra is sold. Luke Andrews Hacken. You always say my full name. Mm-hmm. I find that hilarious. I'm going to go a little bit against type and pick Villa as my top. Villa never wins. I know, but I just... There's a bird in my ear. And that bird is Norwich City, who's coming in second. What? (laughs) Bigger Dave will be very excited. All right. Norwich. That'll be a fun storyline, then. Patty Jones. Uh, I can't see anyone uh, doing better than Stoke. I think they kept over the most of their players. I think they'll finish first, and I think uh, Villa will finish second. I am actually just going with the picks that James made and doing with Stoke and Middlesbrough. Christ. So now it's not going to be an exciting league. So now the other side of the table, the relegated teams. We'll do it in reverse order, so I'll start. And I can't just say Rotherham three times. So I'm going to go with Rotherham, Millwall, and Bolton. Patty, you are up next. Can't believe you're going with Millwall. It's craziness. not good. They were good last season. Yeah, anyway, there's always one team the... that like is near the playoff places, then drops into the drop zone the next year. So that's a good point. Actually, I didn't do it last year, didn't they? So yeah, you're. Probably right. Okay, uh, I'm going to go for Ipswich, um, Bolton, and Rotherham. I think it's Ipswich's final year in the championship. will finally come to an end. Luke. I'm going to go with Brentford. Brentford. Bolton. Yep, and just continuing the, the curse of Carlos Swansea City. <laughs> Plummeting down the league t- table, really, the... English football pyramid. Evan. So, kind of struggling here with Bolton. Uh, 
I'm going to say they do just enough to stay up. So I'm going to go Birmingham. Mm. It's a good pick. Uh, I like that. I think Wiggins stay up. I'll go Rotherham as well. And you didn't prepare for this. No, I, I <laughs> forgot that this would be a question. Um, Oh, the suspense is killing Boy, me. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll say Black. I'll say Blackburn goes back down as well. I hate picking two teams that just came up, but well, we'll say those those three: the Rotherham, Blackburn, and, and Birmingham. Will you make it five for five for Rotherham, James? Of course, I bloody will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if there's one team that's obviously a nailed on cert for relegation, it's Rotherham Bloody United, who uh, who quite frankly are way overachieving where they are and uh, and deserve to go back down. Um, Sorry, neighbours. Uh, we don't value your presence in the championship. Um, and then with them, uh, bye-bye Bolton, uh, because uh, just changing your entire team doesn't paper over the cracks, the fact that you've uh, you've been kind of a weird club of late. So uh, we'll see at the back of them. And uh, I think Wigan will complete the yo-yo set. So, um, you know, up, down, and, and back mm, down again. So. Now we'll shift gears and focus on Sheffield Wednesday, also the focus of this podcast, as I say every week. James, where will Sheffield Wednesday finish in the table during the 2018-2019 season? It's the great unknown, isn't it, Jeff? Um, this, this pains me, but uh, I'm going with 11th. Um, I think Wednesday are going, to, um, are going to be right middle of the road this season, I'm afraid. Um, too good to be, to be absolutely dreadful. Um, not good enough to be right there at the sharp end. I think we might still have hopes of the playoffs around Christmas, January, but I think it'll all be over by March. And uh, I think we'll settle settle a little bit higher than we did at the end of last season without maybe quite as much disruption. But I don't think this is a transformational season of Wednesday from what I've seen in the last few weeks. Evan, are you any more optimistic than that? I really liked Luke's prediction earlier on, 8-9. Um, I'll stick with... Uh, yeah, I'll stick with, with 8. Luke, are you sticking with your uh, initial thoughts as well? I- I am. I I I know it's a. I know I'm a glutton for punishment, but I think. You know, I think the the tantalizing prospect of finishing in the playoffs will just just get us in, to that, uh, to a good run in the end and finish up eighth. Patty. Wow, you miserable bastards! What have you been talking about for the past time? Um, I'm gonna go sixth. Uh, I think that we've got a good enough team to be top six if they're all fit um, and we play the right people in the right positions. And by that, I think that we need to play um, Reach and Kieran Lee as wingbacks. That's my that's my that's my uh, big asterisk next to us finishing sixth. Uh, not playing Morgan Fox uh, and not playing Liam Palmer. So, if we don't play Lynn Palmer and Morgan Fox, we'll finish sixth. James already predicted in the uh, in the first segment a Alman Abdi renaissance, and you might actually see him more than Kieran Lee this year. So, we'll see how that goes. Gotta hope not. I am going to... So, my heart says sixth. My ape brain that is geared towards both competition and gambling is going to try to win this, and I'll say tenth. 
<laughs> so uh, top score, I start. I guess we should also pick number of goals too as like a a tiebreaker. I am going to stay strictly on my brand here, or a less charitable inter- interpretation, go back on my bullshit. Eddie knew he eighteen. Whew. Stay on brand. All competitions, to be clear. Patty. Uh, Patty. And if I was to go with 12. <laughs> How exactly are we uh, finishing six when our top scorer has 12 goals out of we've curiosity? Got, we've got 18 strikers all going to pitch in this season. Uh, Luke. I'm, I'm picking out a left field. I'm going Sam Winall with 14. <laughs> Intriguing. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Evan. Liam Palmer with 26. <laughs> uh, uh, how about, uh, how about, how about a Gary Hooper Renaissance with 16? James? I'm just loving Luke's left field choices today. If, if Luke's view of the championship comes to life, then we're <laughs> going to have an absolute party season. Not that we'll it's be brilliant great. in it, but it's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's great to I, me that Luke hates charity. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to pick a charity, and he's more than happy to contribute his uh, his share of the stake, right? Um, I'm going to go away. with uh, Lucas Schwau, 14. I mean, someone would pick Joao because he was he was my second choice. If I wasn't being uh, being loyal to the brand, and we will wrap things up, James, with the Steel Sur- City Derby results. Twenty-four uh, two uh, in our favour. No, um, two all aggregate over the course of two extremely uh, boring but fraught games. Evan. How about we split and probably along the lines of three two aggregate? Is that is that what you're asking? Yes. Three two aggregate in favor of unfortunately the red team. Luke. I say four three aggregate. Uh but again splitting the wins. In favor in, of who? In favor of. Oh, in favor of us. My apologies. So, a couple of, yeah, like a four goal thriller in there, too. I mean, it's... Or a movie. Yeah. Maybe a 3 1. Yeah. Patty. I'm going for the exact reverse of last season 4 2 win for us at their ground and a 0 0 draw at our ground. I think it's going to be to pretty middling draws between two not particularly impressive teams. So I'll go for uh, 1-1 at the sty and a uh, exciting 2-2 at Hillsborough for a 3-3 aggregate. Those are our predictions. I'll put them in a spreadsheet somewhere so we can actually keep track of them. And we'll check back in at the end of the year to see who came closest because we've all forgotten what we said by then without a doubt 
For now, we will move on to Wednesday news, and there's not much as such, but there is a new kit in the offering since we last broadcast Wednesday announced their away kit or change strip for the upcoming season, and it's fine. It's a dull little all-black number, I guess. It's fine. It's fine. Does anyone have any, like, real thoughts? Patty, I think you like this. The Away Kit? Yeah. No, it's crap. Right, somebody in the here. WhatsApp group liked it. I can't remember. I think they're both very dull, both kits. You don't like the Home Kit either? It's all right. It's just yeah. dull. I'm very mad on both of the kits today, this, this year. What, what would you like to see differently on the Home Kit? It's a serious question as well. Something different. It's just it's just the same as it was like what was it three or four years ago. It's just black collar. I don't like black collar with blue and white stripes. I think it looks I don't know, too I don't know, wiggany almost. I know they have white but still it's, I don't feel like it's us. Actually I feel like it's a classic Wednesday design in its way. It's very nineties. I'm not a huge fan of, like, the little... I guess it's, like, a little... I can tell if it's, like, a little mock collar or what it is. I like the full, proper, like, polo collar. But I'm not a huge fan of the... Now that I've actually, like, seen it in, in action, I'm not a huge fan of, like, the plain... Of the of the blue back, the solid blue back with the black shorts. And if you're going to do black shorts, you need blue and white stripes all around. But other than that, it's fine. It, it's a little controversial, isn't it? Because, you know, everyone's basically saying the perfect Wednesday kit... Is and by everyone I mean the every person fan back in Sheffield because I'm on record. I don't that much care for stripes, but everyone says it's blue and white stripes, black shorts, and blue socks. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work quite so well with that kind of heavy blue back. I agree with you, Jeff. The, the only exception to that is when we had that '99 2000 kit, which I bloody love, even though we got relegated in it, where the kind of the white came round like slightly round the flanks and a little bit into the back, mm -hmm. so it didn't feel quite as heavy as the blue. But this one, the the blue's really heavy all the way round the the hips. We're getting quite technical now, um, and the black doesn't work quite so well. I, I've got to be honest; I like last season's kit. I like the uh, I like the solid blue body with the white shorts. But me too. That's one of my well. favorites. I really did like last season's kit. I know I was there last season. Same thing too. I'm not like a just contrarian. Now we've got stripes back. I want to go back to the uh, full blue. I generally think last season's kit was one of the nicest I've had in a long time. Yeah, it was nice. I I don't care. Uh, period. Like I just. I want to see us win matches. Yeah, we wear garbage bags if we want to. It doesn't matter to me. That was the uh, that was the Tesco bag kit. It wasn't a garbage bag. All right. Actually, to be fair, the the new black kit kind of like a garbage bag. <laughs> you can see how interested we actually are in that kit. So we were just talking about the home one instead. Um, the goalkeeper kit, though, that's a blinding shade of something i thought it was teal i think it's probably actually closer to aquamarine technically speaking i haven't did you say cyan jeff i haven't been close enough to it to actually like hold a color wheel up to it to determine the exact like panatone code for it but you'd imagine for the research for this podcast you would have gone over to sheffield and stalked mm. cameron dawson whilst wearing his uh, his particularly sharp blue kit well james given that you're over there like every two weeks i'm sure i can just have you do it for me uh, give me his home address. Do we not say turquoise anymore, by the way? You know, like, I've never whoa, heard whoa, the word whoa, 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 whoa. What did you say, turquoise? Turquoise, turquoise, turquoise. 
Turquoise. Turquoise. Turquoise, isn't it? It ain't French. Turquoise is more Greenish, say... I feel like. That's okay. more like... Yeah, okay. well, I'm pronouncing it. But do we not... I've never seen people saying the word turquoise or turquoise anymore. It's always like cyan or aquamarine or something they're different. Colors. Turquoise, no. no. I feel like it's a very 90s thing, turquoise. But they're like cyan's like literally a different color, as is aquamarine. Any other Wednesday news? <laughs> Why are you trying to get us to move on to this very imp- from this very important topic, Evan? Uh, there will be another fans forum because that's just stuff that we do like on a bi-weekly basis. At this point, James? He's a masochist. He's an absolute masochist. Or Patty will just jump in. Yeah. He's a masochist. He, he, he just likes feeling the fire and fury of, uh, of the Wednesday fan base, right? Um, it's curious timing. I mean, like, why, why, why do that after the first game of the season? I mean, maybe, maybe his hope is we win a game and maybe everyone gives him a slightly easier ride. But it might have been wiser maybe to do that a week or so earlier. I guess it, in all reality, it probably just it's. it's scheduled based on when he's actually in Sheffield and not but um, I've said it before don't knock the guy for standing up there and taking the questions um, ask the questions and see whether you believe his answers or whether you um, whether you think that the answers do enough in the situation that we're in I mean it's, it's going to be a really interesting opportunity for Wednesday fans to find out what's really going on in terms of the, the financial situation and how we're trying to comply with the EFL regs so um, for, for once I'm actually quite interested to see what comes out of it because not a lot has come out of the club over the course of the summer. Um, but I'll be on holiday. So I guess I'll follow it along on Twitter like everybody else. There's a uh, a well-worn baseball theory that if your team's in a slump, you schedule the uh, the team meeting right before your ace takes the mound. So you can sort of like, oh, well, we won after the team meeting and it was good for morale. I think uh, Chancery figures that his best chance to have this meeting is after the Wigan game. There's at least a decent chance we'll thump them because it's Wigan. So not a bad strategy. We will see how it plays out after it, the Wigan it, game. It, it is Wigan, Jeff. It is yeah. Wigan. I am transitioning to the Wigan preview, James. Uh, so what can you tell us about another uh, blue and white striped team, albeit this one, from Manchester? Oh, that is a controversial point. I think that was knowledgeable, Jeff. I feel like you deliberately spiked that that topic <laughs> just in case we have any uh, any Lancastrian slash Wigan slash Greater Mancunian listeners, which would be quite interesting. If you do happen to live in that part of the world, feel free to get in touch because we we don't realise you're listening. Um, yeah, Wigan is uh, is technically in Greater Manchester, but historically was part of the county of Lancashire. Um, it, it sort of sits in a slight oddity in my mind because it's somewhere I've never been to, but I, I feel like I've been past a thousand times on the way to Wales. It's um, it's a little industrial town, uh, sort of in the the gap between Manchester and Liverpool, that nobody really wants to spend very much time in, uh, for for very good reason, because it's um, like many of the places we feature on this podcast, not that interesting. Uh, post-industrial wasteland, um, bordered by Warrington and a little bit southwest of Bolton, so uh, so not all that great. Um, what can I say about Wigan? Uh, when I was uh, doing a bit of research on this, not having been there, I uh, I mistakenly thought that it was home to the uh, the venerable British si- sitcom. Two packets of lager. It's uh, two pints of lager and a packet of crisps, uh, but it turned out not to be. That's actually Runcorn, which is uh, an equally um, upshit creek town in the northwest of England. Um, I think probably the most famous thing I can say about Wigan is that despite being landlocked, it's got a pier, um, which is a uh, a wharf on a canal on the Leeds and Liverpool Canal, I should say. Uh, most famously uh, made famous by the uh, the British writer George Orwell, who wrote the Road to Wigan Pier in the 1930s. Um, 
a uh, basically a, a sociological investigation of the bleak living conditions amongst the working class in Lancashire and Yorkshire in the industrial north of England before World War Two. Wikipedia tells me. And just can to I, wrap um, this up, can I have the a, uh, ISBN for that one, please? <laughs> I, I beg you. I'd like to add it to my reading list. <laughs> Listen back to the podcast, Luke. You, you feel free. But um, I thought this was a beautiful synopsis of, of said uh, book, The Road to Wigan Pier by George Orwell. Um, it grapples with the social and historical reality of the depression suffering in the north of England. Orwell does not wish merely to enumerate evils and injustices, but to break through what he regards as middle-class oblivion. Orwell's corrective to such falsity comes first by immersion of his own body, assumed pre-measure of truth for Orwell, directly into the experience of misery, uh, which pretty much sums up probably what it's like to live in Wigan and um, and to be a Wigan fan for the last couple of years as uh, after having a, a brief flight of fancy uh, going up to the Premiership, winning the FA Cup for uh, peculiar reasons, they crashed through the divisions and got themselves relegated, promoted, relegated again and I've just predicted they'll get relegated again so uh, so let's see where we wind up. Well I have a title for this week's podcast at least, Directly Into the Experience of Misery. Evan, do you have any notes on the uh, players coming in and out of Wigan over the summer? Yes. Uh, <laughs> essentially, they've dropped uh, eight eight players. Only a couple had first-team experience. Uh, got a couple loan signings. It actually, it, it seems a lot like um, some of these clubs that are just kind of struggling or clubs that are just coming up have really gone to... Um, to Loney's from big clubs. Uh, Reese James is coming to Wigan from Chelsea and uh, Christian Walton from Brighton. And then uh, up in Blackburn, they have uh, Manchester City player, Chelsea player. So they're just kind of. Uh, I refuse to call of... Brighton a big club on this podcast. Completely uh, <laughs> yeah. unchallenged. You get it, though. You, you get it, though. It's all it's all loan, loan signings. They've had to uh, really rely on some young unproven talent so we'll see what happens there Wigan Wigan I think did just enough to to stay up this year uh maybe make a couple purchases next summer and and maybe just become a a championship caliber mainstay like Wednesday kind of have I hate to say that but uh yeah I think it'll be okay we we should win though (laughs) that's your official prediction well, yes. win or lose or draw, as often happens, we will recap it next week. Is there any other business? Well, I guess we should just put a little plug in for the fact that um, it's not been that quiet in the US this summer. Um, there's been a few things going on, but uh, we've not been that quiet in Al's Americas either. So uh, uh, as as some well, actually, two people may have seen on Twitter because I don't think it was particularly well uh, well circulated. We had our AGM last week, and we've um, we've been committing to some of the the city groups, the uh, city reps, and uh, and supporters groups around the US that we're going to be uh, focusing our attention on this year. Um, in particular, um, our group up in Portland who are uh, doing great uh, strides in terms of building the fan base through uh, Mike and the, and the group up there. They had a, a piece on supporting Wednesday at the Toffee Club, um, which was uh, promoted by the club this week. So pay attention to that. Um, a little breaking news that we've got some really good goings on in Orlando um, a new group forming there which we're hoping to have up and running in the next couple of weeks and and obviously our established meetups this weekend at the Football Factory in New York and uh, in uh, Finn McCool's I think in New Orleans as well so uh, so plenty going on for the Owls Americas uh, fans across uh, across the continent and, uh, and more to come as well in the next few weeks 
This has been the inaugural installment of Owls AmeriCast for the 2018-19 season. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owl's AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion, with an American accent, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter at the Manhattan Owl. James, how will you be enjoying Wednesday's first foray into the championship this year? Uh, I'll, I'll be tweeting from at Manhattan Owl, Jeff. Uh, if anyone tries to find me at the Manhattan Owl, they may find me in uh, in one of those secret sewer clubs playing for Manhattan FC. Um, how will I be enjoying the Wigan game? I won't be in Wigan. Um, I won't even be in the UK, contrary to uh, to expectations. I'll actually be in Spain, uh, so I'm I'm off on vacation this week. So um, I will uh, hopefully have my feet up by a pool celebrating the uh, inaugural Wednesday victory of a storming campaign to upset all expectations, my own included, lying on an Owls America's beach towel. With Unvermut? Uh, yeah, or Ina Severtha. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, how will you be enjoying Wednesday's first game of the season? Well, um, I've this summer started a tradition of Fireball Fridays with, with my good friend, Austin. And so... Hungover is the answer to that question. <laughs> Hopefully I will be up and awake at 10 a.m. on Saturday. But uh, I've actually sent a message out to, to Elliot down in Cincinnati to see if and there's any potential he, him and I could get together. But uh, one way or another, we'll, we'll be watching the match either in the sex basement or in southwest Ohio. <sighs> Luke is on Twitter, at the Superb Owl. Luke, where will you be watching? Wednesday versus Wigan. I will probably be watching it uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m. down the football factory with Jack and the rest of the boys. At least you queued that up for me since Patty dropped off after he groused about the Wednesday home kit. I have to do the meetups. And there is, in fact, a New York Owls meetup at the football factory at 10 a.m. And there are also meetups in New Orleans and Portland. You can check the website for those. I am on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and I will be watching the game surreptitiously on my iPhone in the middle of a two-day baseball conference in Boston. And I'll report back not on that, but on that game next week. Now we'll shift gears and start focusing on Sheffield Wednesday. Where do they finish in the table, James? You muted. 
We're in mid-season form. We are. Oh, you didn't get me. Jesus Christ. Was I on mute? Yeah, you're on mute, James. I told you that. Oh, sorry. There was a bit of background noise. Uh, Jeff, ask the question again. I'll roll it. <laughs>